the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Join us now for Grace to the Bay as we glorify the Lord Jesus Christ through sound expository teaching by our teacher, Dr. Roger Chen. Grace to the Bay is the radio outreach of Grace Church of the Bay Area located in San Mateo. If you are blessed by Dr. Chen's message and are looking for a church home, you're invited to come worship with them. Now, here is Dr. Chen. One bad apple spoils the whole bunch. You've used that before, and you've seen that. Because if you, like my family, place fresh fruit in a bowl on your counter during the warm summer months, you know that the heat can speed up rot and delay in the fruit. And all it takes is for one piece of fruit, one apple, one peach, one whatever, and not even the whole apple, just one little side, right? To get a little brown. And if it's touching something else... Pretty soon that mold and that rot is going to spread through that whole bowl of fruit, even to the pieces of fruit that are unripe. The bacteria will spread quickly unless you catch it in time and remove it. That's all you have to do. You don't need to rewash. You don't need to bleach the bowl. You don't need to do anything. You don't need to change bowls. You just got to remove the bad apple. And it can no longer spoil the whole bowl. That's what church discipline is. Deal with the sin. If necessary, by removing the sinner to keep the other fruit, the subsequent lumps of dough from spoiling. And it's not necessarily that when we talk about leaven, right? One, one leaven, piece, small bit of leaven, one bad apple influences the whole. It's not that everyone in the church is going to start committing the same sin. We know that, that that's not what Paul is saying here doesn't even make sense. He's not saying just because you don't deal with this guy's incest, pretty soon it's going to influence the whole lump, meaning you're all going to be committing incest. No, that's not what he's saying. But you understand that when we let sin go unchecked, what does that do? It affects our fellowship. It affects our community as a whole. But even more practically on an individual level for you, it lowers your standard of sin. It sears your conscience a little bit. And it even makes you a sinner. How? Because compromise, justification, or even tolerance of sin is in itself sin. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. And well, if it's okay for him, it's okay for him. Well, if we're tolerating incense, surely that's not okay. We can't confront him. and can't confront him. And pretty soon everyone's just kind of in this weird situation. And don't tell me you're not going to start making little compromises in your own life too. You will. You know what the Feast of Unleavened Bread commemorates, what they are to think about, what God was reminding the Jews of year after year? Israel fled Egypt so quickly that they didn't have time to wait around to leaven their dough. From a scientific standpoint, possibly saving the health, their health if not their lives. And in the same way, sin must be dealt with quickly and biblically. 
so that there is no time to influence the whole lump of dough, the church. Church discipline protects the church from the influence of sin. Can I just give you a, a practical example? We're all confused right now. We're confused. No matter how much of a diehard Trump fan or Biden fan you are, you hear things and you're like, uh, I didn't know he believed that. You're confused. No matter how much scientific, how many scientific journals you read, you'll read another one and go, oh, maybe I should wear a mask. Maybe masks don't work. You're confused. Because no matter how sure you are of something, you are influenced by the media how much more by an unrepentant sinner in your church family. Benefit number three. Church discipline manifests the practice of our position. Church discipline manifests the practice of our position. Look at the first sentence of verse 7. He says, clean out the old leaven so that you may be a new lump just as you are in fact unleavened. A little confusing. Let me explain. Again, referencing the feast of unleavened bread during which the year-old leaven is thrown out and a clean, fresh lump of dough is made. So the sinning individual, the leaven, is to be removed from the church and the church will then become clean, a fresh, new body without the old leaven. The phrase clean out that he uses here means to purge, but purge thoroughly, to clean completely all the nooks and crannies. And the Jewish regulation during this festival was not just that the old leaven not be used in the new bread, but all leaven was to be completely removed from the house. You are not even supposed to have any leaven in the house. Exodus 12:15 not a trace of it it's not enough to say oh i've remo- it's in the trash can it's in another room keep it to the side no it can't even be in the house and when paul says to clean out the old leaven he also wants the man to be out completely he's not even supposed to be in the house you don't just take away his ministries you don't just say you're not allowed to take communion he needs to be completely removed from the house and what's more paul uses a tense in the greek that emphasizes a sense of urgency hurry up before you're all contaminated This is defiling the church purity and identity. Don't procrastinate. Treat this seriously. Do it quickly. Do it thoroughly. Do it now. You see that that rotten rotten piece of that apple that's touching all the other apples double in size in the last hour. You don't say, oh, but tomorrow's the day I clean out the fridge. I'll get rid of that apple tomorrow. No, you pull it out now. So he says, do it quickly. Hurry up. And when this is done, again, the church will be a new lump, a fresh start as an uncontaminated community, not an old one that has been patched up, but a completely new society. And look at the next phrase. Do this just as you are, in fact, indeed, unleavened. And what he is saying here 
seems confusing because he says, it seems to be saying he's like, do this so you'll be what you already are. Then, well, what's the point then? Well, what he is saying here is something he says in different ways and in different places in his epistles. And it is a powerful theological truth that drives all Christian living, which is this. Be what you already are. You're a sinner saved by grace, so act like it. In God's eyes, your position in his eyes and in his kingdom, you are positionally a purified people. Now be that practically in your actions. Right? You, you see this in the movie. Some of you uh, have experienced this. Right? Uh, this never happened to me, but I would imagine... At UCLA, the mascot is the Bruins. Some of the, you know, when the football team had, a, had, a, had a, a bad game, first two quarters, first half in the locker room at halftime, the coach is saying, you're Bruins, now act like it. Does a bad game mean they're kicked out of school, they're no longer a Bruin, go back and reverse their SATs, reverse their application, remove their acceptance? No, they're still a Bruin, they're just not acting like it. Maybe your parents said this to you when you were growing up. You are a masseuse, now act like it. And what Paul is saying here, and he says this in other places, he's saying you are a purified people, you are a holy people, now act like it. You understand that because of the blood of Christ, we are righteous, but we may not act like it when we sin. See, when we talk about righteousness or holiness, there are two kinds as it pertains to the Christian, positional and practical. In God's eyes, we are righteous in position, in standing, in title, because we are covered by the blood of Christ. Nothing can change that. That's positional, right? Your position at your workplace may be a manager, even though you don't manage anyone. But that's what it says on your paycheck. That's what it says in the in the, 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 the company roster. That is your position, and nothing will change that. Practical righteousness or holiness means how we behave on earth. Though our position in Christ is righteousness, we may not behave like it. It's the same idea in Colossians 3.12. Don't, don't, don't turn there for the sake of time. But he says, So, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved... He's describing who they are, position, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Since you are this, do this. 1 Peter 1.14. As obedient children, we know from the grammar that that is a title. You are classified as obedient children. Do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. In other words, since you are classified as obedient, be obedient. In the same way, when we as a church are called to clean out the old leaven, to be an unleavened body, we do so because we are already positionally, in God's eyes, purchased by God to be an unleavened body. What we are to become is what, by the amazing grace of God, we already are in His eyes.
Let's be what God has made us. In other words, let's practice our position. Paul is directly referencing the incestuous man, but this has broader implications for all sin. And we must do this for all sin at every level. Number four, the fourth universal benefit of church discipline, it reminds us of the sacrifice of Christ. It reminds us of the sacrifice of Christ. Look at the second part of verse seven. He says, for Christ, our Passover also has been sacrificed. Do this. Be unleavened. Remove the leaven for Christ, our Passover has also has been sacrificed. Let me explain. The Passover meal was eaten on the first day of the seven-day feast of unleavened bread. Okay, There's some confusion about that. A lot of people think this is what ended the feast. No. Feast of unleavened bread is seven days. On the first night of the feast, to kick it off, you eat the Passover meal. Now, as you know, what you eat at the Passover meal was a lamb that was to be ceremonially, ceremonially slaughtered in your home to commemorate the blood, you remember, on the doorposts of the Israelites in Egypt so God would know that an Israelite was in there and he would not go in there and kill the firstborn. This, of course, was foreshadowing Jesus' blood that protected us from the wrath of God. Now, in this festival, on the day of Passover... Before the meal, on the first day of Feast of Unleavened Bread, but also before the lamb was killed, there was a ceremonial search for all leaven in the house in order to throw it out. To eat any leaven during that entire seven-day feast was to be punished by completely being cut off from Israel. Completely cut off. And thus, all leaven was to be thrown out before the Passover meal was even prepared. Today, before the Passover meal, devout Jews will actually do this ceremony where they'll hide pieces of unleavened bread and, and sometimes they'll have everyone, if not just the kids, look for it, kind of like an Easter egg hunt. It's just part of something they do. That's not commanded in Scripture. It's just part of a modern tradition. Then they will find it, those pieces that they've placed, and they will actually burn it. And then, modern Jews to make sure they don't violate the command to not eat any leaven starting at the Passover meal, they will then go brush their teeth and rinse their mouths well to make sure there isn't any leaven in their mouths. For Christians, the Passover lamb that was slain and the blood that was spilt from that lamb, of course, was Jesus Christ, and it was done for the salvation of God's people. And the idea for the church that Paul is saying here is that the lamb has already been sacrificed. So why is there still leaven in the house? You see, if this had happened in the physical Passover meal and there was still leaven in the house and dad slaughters that sacrificial lamb for dinner, big trouble. Big trouble with the people big trouble with the judges, big trouble with God. And Paul is saying, he's already been slain and you still have leaven in the house. 
Get rid of it now. Get rid of it and be quick about it. But unlike the Jews, our feast is not for a week. It is for a lifetime. The sacrifice of the lamb on the cross should have caused a permanent change in our behavior. Specifically, now we turn away from sin and repent of it constantly. We definitely don't let it fester in our own lives or in the life of the church. And when we deal with the unleavened bread, as with the Jews, it is because we are focusing on the lamb. For the Jews, we got to do this, we got to do this. You can hear the lamb bleeding. He's here. Dad brought him in. Get the the leaven out. Get the leaven out. Fixing our eyes on the lamb. For us, we look back and we fix our eyes on the lamb of God. Get the leaven out because of Christ. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. To be fair, the imagery falls short because unlike the Israelites, we are cleansed already. And removing the lump will not change our standing before God. What it will do is help us excel still more. And this brings up the point of not just doing things, rebuke, church discipline, etc., for salvific reasons, but to be even more holy and obedient in light of what Christ has done for us. This should be our passion, God's glory. This is why we do this. May we be a church, may we be a people who never say, well, I can do that because I'm saved already. My theology is right. I'm not going to lose my salvation. So I can, I can do this little sin because, hey, I'm redeemed. I'm in the Lamb's book of life. Can't lose my salvation. Yeah, your theology is right, but your devotion is wrong. And so, church discipline reminds us that our Passover has already been sacrificed, the sacrifice of Christ. So, guys, there really shouldn't be any leaven in the house. Well, fifthly and finally, church discipline maintains an integrity of worship. We've seen that church discipline or dealing with sin keeps us humbly focused on God's will. It protects the church from the influence of sin. It manifests the practice of our position. It reminds us of the sacrifice of Christ. And fifthly, it maintains an integrity of worship. Verse 8, Therefore let us celebrate the feast not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Again, the festival or feast we are to celebrate is not once a year, but lifelong. It is a continual celebration of our salvation. And as such, we are to do so as part of our celebration by constantly putting away all sin. And he gets specific here and says that not only are we to move forward getting rid of the sin, in this case the man committing incest is the old leaven, but also without another type of leaven or influential sin, which he refers to uh, or really says is synonymous with the old leaven, he says malice and wickedness or evil, if you have the ESV. To put it simply, the word malice in the Greek is badness. It's an evil disposition. 
It's an evil nature. It can even mean viciousness. Wickedness, the second word or evil in the ESV, is the acting out of that evil disposition. Now, both of these are general terms that Paul is equating not just with that man's incest, but any sin, especially sin that is allowed to go unchecked. And instead, and keeping with the illustration, we are to live life, celebrate the feast with unleavened bread. And this bread is, he says in the verse, sincerity and truth. So instead of malice, we have sincerity. This is integrity, purity of motive. It describes the mind and the heart and your conduct. This word could actually be literally checked by sunlight. We are to be checked by sunlight. This was a process by which vases would be held up to the sunlight. Let's say you're going to buy a vase at the, at the outdoor marketplace. You're like, well, I want to see if this is a bad vase, a broken vase. And you can't tell because there could be a, a hairline crack in there. But if you hold it up to the light you would see if there's a tiny crack in there that they would have filled in with wax so that it's almost uh, uh, invisible to the naked eye. Uh, I guess it's similar to uh, holding up one of those new $100 bills, right, to see uh, the watermark of authenticity. The second description of this leaven-free life is truth. Now, this word truth in the Greek goes beyond just the opposite of falsehood. It conveys the idea of a sense of honesty or, again, integrity that fleshes out in word and deed. In other words, the heart and actions correspond. A good way to put this word or describe this word truth is purity of action. Purity of action. Of course, the whole gamut of the Christian life is involved here, right? The heart, the mind, the actions, but as informed by the Scriptures, as, as directed by the desire to glorify God. This is integrity. Both of these words, that word, that theme popped up, integrity. Sincerity is integrity. Truth is integrity. You know, the word integrity comes from the word integer. And if you remember from grade school, in math, integer is a whole number, not a fraction. It's what makes us whole, undivided. And to use biblical terminology, it's what makes us not hypocritical. When the Corinthians allowed this incestuous relationship to continue in the church and even got cocky about it, they are not living with integrity. They are not living in accordance with what they are professing. And when we live this way, devoid of malice and wickedness, but filled with sincerity and truth. We live out our new existence in the way that we are supposed to, according to God's word. Both sincerity and truth speak of behavior that is full, it is authentic, it is a life of integrity, which means like that vase, it can stand the test of the light of day. The impurities are gone. The corrupting influence of the dirty leaven has been completely removed. The result is a life and a church that is lived in holiness and purity. 
And again, this can only happen when the sin is removed. We have an integrity of worship. This is family. We are connected in a way that is deeper, more significant, more profound, and more eternal than physical blood. It is the blood of Christ. And so it should bother you when you know of sin that has not been dealt with in the church. It should bother you if you're part of a church where the elders are not practicing church discipline. That's why many of you came from churches that split over this kind of thing. It should never be enough that we sit here, whether you're in this room or in your living room, we stand to sing, we worship, we take communion with a clean conscience, knowing that there is sin in another brother's life, knowing that God is not being glorified in that person's life. You're the only one who can do anything about it. You're the only one who knows about it, but you keep quiet. It's not enough. It's not enough. You need to live out your life, not just saying, I'm okay. Others are not okay, but I'm okay, so I'm okay. We're a family. This has been Grace to the Bay with Dr. Roger Chen. For the next part in this series, join us next week at this same time. Grace to the Bay is the radio ministry of Grace Church of the Bay Area, practicing and proclaiming the purity of biblical truth. You are invited to join them for worship services in San Mateo, Sundays at 11 a.m. Visit gracebayarea.org for service times, directions, live streamed services, listen to archived sermons, or to make a tax-deductible donation to help keep Grace to the Bay on the air so that we can continue to share Pastor Roger's teaching with you each week. Again, that's gracebayarea.org. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.